Hello and welcome to CCI's podcast. CCI is short for Campaign for Christ International, and as the name implies, we indeed are campaigning for Christ. May His kingdom expand and His good news reach to all the ends of the earth. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, and according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, it affects around 40 million adults every year, and almost a third of adolescents between 13 and 18 years old. We live in times of uncertainty, of fear-mongering, times in which lies and deceit abound, times of perhaps financial tightness, illness. Wars, rumors of wars, a time abounding in lawlessness. But the Bible says that we have an anchor that is steadfast and sure. God knows what you're going through. Won't you come to Him? Won't you get close to Him? Hello, this is your host, Dr. Reyes, and in today's episode, Josiah Alway will speak about anxiety, and will share with us three keys. To overcome anxiety, today I'm speaking on the topic how to overcome anxiety. We're going to look at three keys in the Scripture on how you today can overcome anxiety and, in its place, receive the peace of God that God wants you to have. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. The book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to begin reading in verse six. The apostle Paul is the one that wrote this passage of scripture, and he wrote this as an old man sitting in a dark, dingy, awful prison cell. There were shackles around his wrists and feet. There were chains that draped to the floor. It was a place where prisoners were very anxious. There was a continual fear that they were going to be beaten or executed. But the Apostle Paul had peace, the peace of God. And the Bible says that through his example, some of the prisoners and even guards received Christ into their lives. Even through all the trials that he received, The scars that were on his body, the shipwrecks, the poverty, all the things that he suffered for the sake of Christ, he had the peace of God. He was not anxious. And he gives us three keys on how, in any circumstance, you and I can have the peace of God. And we read beginning in verse six Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, he's concluding this thought. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, 
And if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He begins this passage by saying, be anxious for nothing. Now that sounds easy, but it's really not. It's hard not to be anxious in a world that calls evil good and good evil. It's hard not to be anxious in a world that is embracing sin more and more. It's hard to be, not to be anxious in a world where in so many nations people are persecuted and suffer for the sake of Christ. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul had every reason to be anxious. In the natural, he had every reason to be at fear and worried, but he wasn't. He had the peace of God. And he gives us the three keys on how we too can have that peace. Number one, spend time with God. Spend time with God. And under this category, he's very specific about what we can do in order to spend time with God and what we need to do uh, as we're with the Lord. First, he said, uh, in everything by prayer, by prayer, we must, as believers, we must be people of prayer. It is indispensable for the believer. We must be people of prayer. So many Christians are anxious, worried, fearful, because they don't have a prayer life. We are called to be a people of prayer. You can think of, of a little baby who cries for his mother or father. And when his mother or father come, responding to his crying, they pick him up in his arms and, and they have peace. They went from anxiety of being alone to, to being at peace. And that's how we are with God. When we turn to God, when we look to him, he responds and takes us into his arms. And we, are, we go from anxiety to peace. You know that not, prayer doesn't just change our emotion. Prayer doesn't just change our outlook on life. It does those things, but it does more than that. Prayer is so powerful that there's a doctor by the name of Caroline Leaf who did a study. She took a group of people that prayed just 12 minutes a day for a period, period of eight weeks. And then she took a, a group of people that didn't pray. At the end of eight weeks, she put them under a brain scan and she could tell a difference, physically, a difference in the brain for the people in a positive way. She could see which ones prayed and which ones didn't pray. Physically, it was changing their brain. When God tells us to pray, he knew what he was doing all along. It affects our emotions, it affects our outlook on life, and it even physically affects our brain. We must be people of prayer if we are to overcome anxiety. And then the Apostle Paul says when we spend time with God, we should, be, we should come before him with supplication. This is a little bit different than prayer. Supplication is, is an earnest appeal. It's humbly coming before God with an earnest request, a passionate request, if you will. You might think of supplication as Hannah in the Old Testament when she came before God in the temple. She desired greatly to have a child. 
And she came humbly but earnestly. She poured out her heart before God with passionate prayer. Jesus did the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says of Jesus' supplication in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. This is supplication. Vehement cries and tears. Jesus came before the Heavenly Father with supplication. You might be driving in your car. You might be washing dishes. You might be doing chores or at work. Just talking to God. That's prayer. Or you might have moments when you lay prostrate on the floor. Moments when you go to your knees and shed tears and earnestly, earnestly come before God. That's supplication. And we're called to do both. Both are important in the life of a believer. And then the third thing the Apostle Paul says in spending time with God is to come before him with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. There is no circumstance for which we cannot give thanks. There is no period of our life, no uh, trial that we're in that is too great for us to give thanks. We are called to give thanks in every circumstance. The Bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You should be a thankful person. You can give thanks in every circumstance, not for everything, but in everything. You can give thanks for your poor finances. You can thank God that, yes, I have financial difficulties, but I thank you that you're turning this out for my good. I, I thank you, Lord, that despite the fact that I have health problems, you're turning this situation into something good. I thank you that this situation in my nation or in the world Though it may be difficult, you're turning it into something good. You can give thanks in every season of your life. And it is so important. It changes the perspective. It changes the way you think. Because you see not just the problem. You, you see the one who has the solution to the problem. And you fix your eyes upon him. You recognize and you have hope that he's going to do something good from it. A cheerful heart will do great things, and you can get that through thanksgiving. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. You have no idea what I'm going through, and that may be true, but it doesn't matter what you're going through. There's always a reason to give thanks, if for nothing else. If, let's say, everything went wrong in your life, if you had an experience like Job, there's still a reason to give thanks, and that reason is that he has saved you. Jesus Christ has saved you from hell. David wrote, You've delivered my soul from the depths of hell. If there is no reason to ever give thanks on this earth, there's still the eternal reason that he died on the cross for you, that he saved you from your sin and the punishment of sin that you deserved. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. We should live with thanksgiving in our hearts before God. And after he gives this first key, 
he gives us the result. He says, in the peace of God, if you do this, if you spend time with God in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a peace that cannot be explained. It cannot be understood. Nobody can explain the peace that Stephen had in Scripture when he was being stoned. No one can explain the peace that Jesus had before he faced the cross. Just 12 hours before Jesus was to die on the cross, he said, my peace, I leave with you. He was at peace. Yes, he, he went before the Lord with cries and supplication. He went through great trials. But he said 12 hours before the cross, my peace, I leave with you. You might be in a storm you might be in a difficulty in life. You might be going through a great trial. But you can still be at peace on the inside. You, you may be suffering outwardly, but like Paul was when he wrote this passage, but still have peace within. That is offered to you by Christ. The world does not experience this kind of peace. Sure, they, they find peace in certain things, but it's counterfeit. Jesus said, the peace I give you is not what the world has. It's a different kind of peace. You can think of uh, the world's peace as like a counterfeit bill of money. You might be able to use it sometimes, but eventually someone's going to find out it's a counterfeit and it's going to burn. It's going to be useless. Eventually it's going to run out, if you will. But the peace that Christ offers you is real. It's authentic and it'll last forever. That's the peace that Jesus offers you. And then he gives us the second key that we need to overcome anxiety. We see it here in the eighth verse. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You see, these prayer flows into our thinking. It's a progressive three, these three keys are progressive. As we pray, it's going to change the way we think, but we're still going to have a battle in our mind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for though we walk in the flesh, that is living in the world, we do not war according to the world, for the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Bible teaches us that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare in the mind, and we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which is what Paul is saying here in the passage we read. And when we bring our thoughts in line with the will of God, it'll affect everything in our life. The book of Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you have thoughts that are negative, thoughts that are fearful, you're going to be an anxious person. But if you have thoughts that are pure and noble and good, 
You're, you're going to be a person at peace. And that's what Paul is saying here in our passage. The prophet Isaiah said, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. That's an important key to overcoming anxiety. And then the third key, the third key. We first looked at spending time with God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We looked secondly at, the, uh, at our thoughts, that we are to take every thought captive in the obedience of Christ. And then now thirdly, we're to do what God calls us to do. Or in other words, we are to live like Christ, to do what Jesus would do. We see here in our text, the Apostle Paul says something very interesting. He says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He's telling the church in Philippi to live as I'm living. But you know that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, imitate me even as I imitate Christ. So the Apostle Paul is saying, do what I'm doing. Because what I'm doing is what Jesus was doing. Is what, what Jesus would do if he were here. And that's what we're to do. We're to live like Christ. We're to live like what Paul did. He imitated Christ. And when we do this, we receive peace. You say, how does that work? How does living the way Jesus lived, lived help us overcome our anxiety? Well, you think about this. If you're in sin you're going to be anxious. But if you're doing the will of God, you're going to be at peace. It's quite simple. God has a will, a purpose for you. And when you find that purpose and that meaning to your life, your whole outlook on life changes. There's a peace that comes when you love your neighbor. There's a peace that comes when you help the poor as Jesus did. But there's anxiety that comes when you struggle with lust or pride or greed or when you're trying to get ahead in this world and in the flesh and not doing the will of God? When you do what the world does, running the rat race, trying to get ahead, trying to claw your way to the top, it's going to cause anxiety. But when you just simply commit your life to Christ and do what he calls you to do, the God of peace will be with you. God doesn't promise that you're not going to go through difficulties. You will. There's trials that you'll have to bear. But you see, the peace that he offers isn't an outward peace. I remind you again, Paul wrote this from prison. But what Christ offers is an inner peace, a peace within, a peace that lasts despite the circumstances around us, a peace that is not affected by the trials that come our way, by the storms of life. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's a divine peace. And we can achieve it if first we spend time with God in prayer, in supplication with thanksgiving. Secondly, if we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, if we think on the things that are of God, not of this world. And then thirdly, if we do the will of God. May God bless you and may his peace be with you. Please stay tuned for more of Josiah Alway in future episodes here on CCI's podcast. If you would like to know more about this ministry, please visit our website at www.cci.life. 
You can find our videos on streaming platforms like Vimeo, YouTube, and Rumble. This is Campaign for Christ International, preaching the gospel, helping the sick, and praising the Lord.